Welcome to The Bull and the Bear, a money and markets podcast. We give you the advice you need to know to make investing safe and profitable. With The Bull and the Bear podcast, you'll get exclusive access to some of the top thinkers, analysts, advisors, and gurus in the investment business. And now for your hosts, Matt Clark and Charles Sizemore. And welcome to uh, this latest episode of the Bull and the Bear podcast. I'm I'm your host and market uh, research analyst, rather for Money and Markets, Matt Clark. Glad uh, glad you're joining us. Just to uh, run through real briefly, uh, in case you aren't aware, uh, if you are listening to us via podcast, that's great. Make sure you follow us, uh, leave us a, a rating if you'd like. You can also leave us a comment. Make sure you click the notifications and get alerted every time the podcast gets released. That way, you kind of get that uh, information ahead of time because we usually release our podcasts, our videos, uh, about a day before they come out on moneymarkets.com. Podcast is also on YouTube. Just go to youtube.com, type in the bull and the bear, and uh, we'll you know, actually type in money and markets, and you'll see our green logo right there, and uh, just click on that. Uh, subscribe to our channel. Uh, that way you can kind of follow us along. And there's also the option to, uh, you know, I think there's a little bell that comes up that you can get notifications. Uh, if you do that, then you'll also get notified every time we put out a, a, a new video. So, uh, that's always uh, a good a good practice to have, just uh, uh, you know, so you get information first. Uh, if you have any comments or questions, or maybe there's a sector or stock you'd like us to look at, don't forget to email us at the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com. That's the bull and bear at moneyandmarkets.com. Subscribe to the channel. Subscribe to us on podcasts. We're on about 20 different podcast syndicators, so you can't uh, you can't go wrong. You can't miss us. Uh, we're on the, in the process of getting onto Amazon as well, so you'll soon be able to listen to us on your Alexa-connected uh, speakers and devices. So that's uh, uh, that'll be a good uh, a good thing to get rolling. So uh, without further ado, let's jump into today, and uh, it's a sector that gets a lot of attention, but gets a lot of attention in other ways. Um, when when you think of things like real estate, most people will equivalent that to home buying, buying a house, renting a house, buying property, things like that. But as investors, uh, the real estate market is much broader than that. It's not just about homes. It's not just about construction. Uh, it's about a lot of things. And in fact, that, that sector has grown exponentially uh, in terms of what it offers uh, over, over the last uh, at least two decades. Um, you've got real estate investment trusts or REITs, uh, property managers, storage companies, all these are now part of, of the real estate investing world. If you take a look at uh, the S&P 500 real estate to select Spider ETF, it's an exchange trader fund that tracks some of the bigger real estate companies uh, uh, on the market. Uh, it's jumped about 43% uh, since reaching a low in March of 2020. Uh, it's still about 13.5% off of its previous high set back in February. Uh, the, the, the actual... ETF itself covers companies ranging from cell tower owners, uh, American Tower Corporation, uh, Crown Castle International Corpora uh, Corporation, uh, to a real estate investment trust Prologis, uh, which does logistic facilities in last mile uh, logistics. They have last mile warehouses for companies like Amazon, Apple, things like that to put their goods before they transport it to the final destination, which is you and I, the consumer. Now, the ETF itself uh, reached a, a death cross where it's 200-day moving average uh, cross above its 50-day moving average, um, but now it's very close to doing the opposite and hitting a golden cross, uh, which is where the 50-day average moves above the 200-day moving average, and it's starting to move upwards. That, that, that golden cross sometimes indicates uh, uh, some short-term momentum. Sometimes it works. Oftentimes it does, but uh, there are instances where it, 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 it doesn't. 
Um, but what I want to do today is I want to bring in Money and Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell, uh, as well as contributor Charles Sizemore. And, and I want to talk about three real estate sector stocks and kind of get to get your feel uh, of, uh, of, of your thoughts on them and, and, and talk about them kind of at depth. And I'll start with a company that is, it is a real estate investment trust. Uh, these have become very popular investment drivers of late uh, because of uh, some of the benefits they provide uh, in terms of reinvesting 90% of their income back into it to, to investors uh, and things of that nature. This is a REIT that, that specializes in data centers. So if you see data centers, Facebook has big data centers, AT&T has them, Apple has them. They're located all over the world. Um, and what they are is they're basically data storage areas where these massive not even terabytes, even more than that, get stored on, on in these big rooms full of nothing but just computer storage areas. And this one operates in 55 markets. It's got, uh, and that's across five continents. So it's got a really big uh, uh, footprint. It's got a market cap of about $70 billion. It's uh, three-year annual sales growth rate is 15.2%. It's three-year annual EPS growth rate is 50.5%. Uh, it hit a low of about 485 a share back in March of 2020. It has ticked up now, well, more than ticked up. It has rebounded strongly about 62% uh, from that low to around 786 a share. Uh, the company that I'm referring to first is Equinix Incorporated. It trades on the NASDAQ under EQIX. That's EQIX, Equinix Incorporated. And first, I'll toss it to Charles Sizemore. And uh, Charles, give me your thoughts on Equinix. Yeah, well, first, more broadly, I, I love REITs, and I know you shouldn't love your investments because they're never going to love you back. You should be a lot more cold and rational than that. But if I were, uh, yeah, and you shouldn't marry your investments because you know, the situation changes, you should not tie yourself to, to, to one investment theme. But if I were going to marry an asset class, it would, it would definitely be REITs. I think uh, they're one of the more future-proof uh, areas of the market. Now, that's of course less true in this age of COVID. A lot of um, a lot of real estate that we might have thought was future proof is 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 proving to be anything but. But uh, yeah, m moving on to, to this company in particular, I uh, I, I love the company. I, I'm not so in love with the stock, and I'll, I'll explain that. The the data center uh, trend is is one that is not going away anytime soon. At the rise of cloud computing, that's only going to get bigger. Uh, and part of it is geography. If, if you are, you know, if you're a big Silicon Valley company based in, well, Silicon Valley is redundant, but if you're based in California there, you, you can't have all of your servers there. There, there are risks. There's natural, it's, it's an earthquake zone. Uh, furthermore, you want, you want the, the data crunching to be closer to the end users. So you want data centers spread out across the country to be closer to the people using them. Uh, this trend is not going anywhere anytime soon. This is only going to get bigger. Um, I love the sector, love the stock, love the company, love management, love it all. What I don't love is the price. Uh, this has uh, gotten a bit bubbly. In the last two years, the stock has more than doubled. That's unusual for a REIT of any size. This is not some internet startup. This is, at the end of the day, a real estate investment trust. They're just not supposed to be that volatile. Uh, it also has a very middling, uh, well, I can't even say middling. It's actually just low dividend yield. Dividend yield is, is, is less than 2%. So um, 
REITs are first and foremost an income play. Um, they're a total return play because you're not just looking for income. You're looking for long-term capital gains as well. You're also looking for an increase in the dividend over time. You're looking for companies that raise the dividend. Um, that's one of the reasons I love the sector. It's, it's inflation-proof because as inflation rises, so do your rents. It's, all, all these things are great. But at the end of the day, price is what matters. And this stock is just a little too expensive right now. All right, and uh, now I'll I'll bring in uh, Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell and uh, Adam. I you know what I think he brings up a good point in terms of the overall price. Um, but you know, aside from that, you know, Equinix actually scores fairly well on your Green Zone rating system. Talk a little bit about that and give us your thoughts on Equinix. Uh, yes, it does, Matt. It scores above average. It scores about a 63 out of 100, so that does put it within the realm of consideration. Uh, kind of a more bullish stock. Uh, but it's not a true green zone stock. It doesn't have a score of 80 or 90. Um, I might have to pass on Equinix right now. Um, what it does have going for it is momentum, low volatility. I mean, the, the uptrend over the past two years has actually been a steady march, even though it's uh, in, in percentage terms quite high. It hasn't been a, a volatile uh, uptrend. It's been a very smooth one. So it gets high scores in the 80s and 90s on momentum, on low volatility, and on growth. Um, but that said, Kind of, it's kind of a dichotomy. It gets really poor scores on quality. Uh, it gets a poor score on size because it's a rather uh, large company. It's about $69 billion. And, um, and, and its lowest score, is, as um, Charles kind of alluded to, is in the value. It scores a six out of 100. So basically, 94% of the entire market is valued more cheaply than Equinox right now. Um, so I think it has a PE of like 133 or 136. Um, forward B of 95, a price to sales of, of over 12, price to book of about seven. So no matter how you look at valuation metrics, uh, it is very overpriced at this point, not just overpriced, but you know, grossly overpriced. Um, and as, and as um, Charles mentioned, the dividend yield really doesn't justify something like that. I mean, often when you can get a yield in the five to 10% range, um, that, that's, that's considered high yield, but 1.33%, which is the current yield on, on, um, on this, uh, REIT is just kind of, is not that great. I mean, one of the problems with the, the treasury bond market with, you know, treasuries, the price of bonds going up so much over the past several years and, and the yields going down so low. I mean, the 10 years trading like 60 basis points right now, 66 basis points, uh, which is about 0.65% um, is that, you know, investors that are traditionally looking to treasuries for yield, uh, income oriented investors, they've had to uh, go, it's been called the, you know, the search for yield. They have to go farther out onto the risk curve, meaning rather than investing in safe treasury bonds, which used to pay anywhere three, four, five, six, seven, eight percent, they're now having to go to REITs and to dividend paying stocks and, and, and uh, investments that are farther out on the risk curve. So, you know, I think that pro probably what's uh, contributed to the bid up in the price of Equinix is that over the past several years, the, the T-bond yields have just been plummeting. And uh, so people have gotten into REITs thinking, oh, well, they're probably almost just as safe as, uh, as T-bonds and they're paying, you know, maybe twice the yield. Uh, so that's what I think a lot of people are doing as far as the, the, the reach for yield. And eventually it's going to come out uh, and, and bite people in the butt. So uh, for now, even though it gets a decent score of, in the 60s, uh, I'm a pass on this one. And I am too. And the biggest thing is that you guys have all brought up all, all the, the, the strong reasons why. I mean, it says it's not a bad company. It's, it's got good management. It, it, it's in a good sector. Uh, but right now, it, the price is inflated. Uh, that's the first concern. The other concern I have is $15.4 billion in debt uh, compared to only about $4 billion in cash. 
Um, you know, that's a lot of debt. I know that their that their income structures that they get money off of rent payments and things like that. I get that, but to have 15.4, 15.5 billion dollars in debt compared to 4.8 billion in cash is a bit of a concern for me as well. So uh, I liked this company about a year, year and a half ago. Um, but in terms of actual investment, uh, th this one, it's gotta have a major pullback for me to be excited about it and really drop those ratios down to more, uh, uh, more in line with the industry, if not lower. So uh, moving on to our second, uh, our, our second stock today, this is a company that owns and operates uh, wireless communications infrastructure. They're spread out in uh, North, Central, South America, as well as South Africa. Uh, they, they mainly focus on leasing antenna space uh, on their various communication sites to wireless service providers under long-term lease contracts. So basically your, your, your T-Mobile, your AT&T, your Vodafone, your Vodacom, uh, you know, places like that are leasing space from this company on their towers to put their equipment up to send you out your wireless signal. Um, the company's stock uh, hit a low of about 214 uh, back in March, as did just about every other uh, stock hitting a low back then. Uh, it's rallied about 45% since then. Uh, the company that I am uh, uh, that we have here on number two is SBA Communications Corporation. Trades on the Nasdaq as SBAC, so it's SBA Communications Corp. Trades on the Nasdaq as SBAC. Uh, and first, I'll throw it to Charles. Charles, your thoughts on SBA Communications? Sure, sure. Uh, before I address that, let's go backwards just one second. You had mentioned the debt on uh, Equinix. I would say maybe be open-minded on that. Um, real estate investment trusts in general tend to have a lot of, of, of debt because real estate in general has a lot of debt. Banks love to uh, make loans backed by real estate. And in the case of, uh, in the, case of the, the tenants paying the rent, they're all major corporations with their data and their computer equipment in the building. They're going to make that rent check if it kills them. So I, I would say, uh, you know, that stock was still a pass, but I would be a bit more open-minded uh, on, on the debt. Now, looking at SBA Communications, it's kind of a similar story, really. Uh, I, I love the company. I love the sector. At the end of the day, do you envision a scenario where, you, where you're going to be using less data on your phone? I, I don't. I, I don't think that, that is a one-way street. We will be using more data on our on our phones until we're all dead. I mean, that, that's that, that that's how that's going to go. And particularly with the rise of five G, five G requires more towers. So uh, previous uh, iterations, you could have relatively fewer, larger towers. Five G requires smaller micro towers all over the place. So uh, that, that does uh, benefit, um, it, it benefits the landlords in this case. I would say within the space, uh, I, I do like some of the competitors a little bit better. I would say I like Crown Castle and American Tower a little bit better. Um, I, I'm not in love with the pricing on any of them. I, I would say, you know, put a gun to my head, is, is this a stock that I would be comfortable buying and holding for, for years? I'd say, yeah, probably. Um, I would be... I would prefer to get it at a cheaper price, though. So I, I would say this is a soft pass for me right now. Um, love the love the company. Absolutely, absolutely love the sector. Uh, app, just fantastic long-term macro trend supporting all of this. I would just really like to get it at a dip. Okay. And to your point about debt, I understand that. I get it. I get that having a, a large amount of debt in the in this kind of a field is natural, especially in real estate. 
my, my primary concern is the fact that the, the cash to debt is so wide. Um, sure. and I, and I, and I, and I have a, I have an issue with that. I just, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily, I don't necessarily think the debt is a bad thing. I just think to have that little amount of cash on hand compared to your debt, that's a problem for me. That's, that's where my issue comes in. Um, so you bring up a good point in terms of, uh, of SBA, Adam, uh, I'd like to hear your thoughts on, on SBA communications. Uh, I'm going to be a pass on SBA also. It scores a, SBA scores a 52 out of 100 uh, overall in my green zone ranking model. So right, right smack in the middle of average. Uh, it has basically the same footprint or fingerprint rather as Equinix in that it scores relatively highly on momentum, volatility, and growth, but very poorly on quality, value, and size. And what that tells me is that this is more of a trade uh, than a long, good long-term investment, meaning that People have been hot on the sector. I mean, everything 5G has been kind of hyped for quite a while now. So people have been hyped on the sector. The, the search for yield, the reach for yield has been a longer multi-year trend. So I think this is a trade that's probably mostly run its course, or at least if you're just now getting in, it's probably not a good time to get in. Um, shares of SBAC went from like $100 in 2016 to $300 now. So we've already tripled in price. Uh, and that's why it gets a value score of like three out of 100. Um, you know, as far as the quality scores, I mean, these are REITs, so they do have a different capital structure, uh, as, as um, Charles pointed out. So that, that's potentially why, I mean, my quality score of the six factors, one of them is based on quality. And uh, some of the metrics that I look at within that quality score are based on debt. So debt to equity and, and the ability for the company to service that debt. Uh, but that quality score also looks at things like return on assets, return on invested capital, return on equity, profit margins, both uh, gross margins, operating and, and net margins. And, uh, and even on those metrics, and even more so than the debt, um, these two REITs have kind of scored subpar. Um, so again, I think that this is a trade that's probably worked over the last uh, several years, but I would not be buying into it right now. Okay. And, and, and that's good. It's good. You mentioned, that. I was going to mention the net margin right now. It's about, uh, you know, in the negative 1% to the negative, the industry average is actually a 10%, 10.5% .5 net margin. And, and actually SBA is running in the negative. Uh, and that's a concern is book value per share is, is about $37 to the red. Uh, I, to me, like I said, this might've been good about two, three years ago, but now I think it's, it's first, it's overpriced. It's met its, I think it's met its threshold. Uh, I would see a, probably a pretty good downtrend uh, coming once people, once investors start realizing that the, there's not a long-term potential with, with a company like SBA. All right. And now moving into our, our second, our, our third, rather, our third and final one. I, I want to take a little bit different track here. Right? We've talked about two REITs. We've talked about, you know, in a very hot data center sector and also in the communication towers sector. Here, I want to take a complete, I just want to go 180 degrees in another direction. This is, this is a REIT. Uh, it, it, interestingly enough, um, but you wouldn't know it as one. Uh, it specializes, it, it acquires and develops self-storage facilities. It's got about 2,500 self-storage facilities across 38 states. Uh, at last check, about 171 million net rentable square feet in the U.S. alone. Uh, it hit a low of 158 to $158 a share back in March. It's jumped about 34% since then, but it's still about 20% off its high that it set uh, back in August of 2019. And this stock is uh, public storage. You see their signs up and down uh, main streets and in cities and towns everywhere where you just pull off and you can rent a storage locker, storage garage, whatever. But this company is actually a REIT. Uh, and, and they trade on the New York Stock Exchange as PSA. That's P as in Paul, S-A. And I'll first 
send it over to Charles. And Charles, uh, you've had some time to look at this. Uh, what do you think about public storage? I actually like this one. Um, and and for, for a couple of reasons. One, if you're a landlord, uh, the nightmare property to own is something like a nice hotel or a nice office building. And that was even before COVID. And the reason is you got to keep the office. I mean, the maintenance on an office building is just it'll bankrupt you. I mean, everyone, if you're, if you're going to do business in, in, in a building, you expect it to look pristine at all times. Uh, same, same with a, a high-end apartment building. You know, same with, um, with the really high-end retail building. Appearance matters. Something like uh, public storage, it, it's a warehouse. It's, it's a little storage locker. I mean, there's really no maintenance to do on a property like this, which makes, uh, which makes this subsector of real estate very attractive to me. It, it's, it's cheap to maintain. There's not going to be these big expenses coming down the pipeline. Um, looking at the big picture of the sector, it did get a little bit overbuilt a few years ago. Uh, this sector was extremely popular, I would say, maybe the last three or four years of the Obama administration. It was like, this was almost like a trendy sector. And then it sort of peaked out and it's been going sideways for a while. Um, part of that's just, there was a little too much inventory in it and it had to be absorbed. Now, of course, public storage is one of the absolute biggest and best run in the space. So that's, you know, a little bit of a shakeout isn't such a bad thing for them. Uh, looking sort of more more macro, uh, recessions are good for for this this space. This is this is an anti recessionary sector, and, and the reason I say that is just sort of think to it. If you've you know you lost your job, you know you've lost your house, you've lost your apartment, you're having to move back in and live on your mother's couch for a while, or move in, you know whatever, go get a roommate. If you're if you're having to downsize due to economic necessity, you got to have somewhere to put your stuff. And, and that's, that's where public storage really comes in handy. Uh, it, when, when the economy is doing poorly, public storage and, and its competitors tend to do well operationally. Um, their recessions aren't bad for them. Um, looking at the yield, it's respectable. It's a little, little shy of 4%. It's not, not great for, for a REIT. You know, I would say the sweet spot for a REIT yield these days is somewhere between 5 and 7%. You can, you can get yeah, you can get a high quality REIT yielding in that, that window. Um, you get much higher than that. You're, you're, you're probably taking a bit more risk than you want to take, but um, this is sort of the lower, it's just kind of below what I would consider the sweet spot window, but it's not quite low enough to make me walk away. So I would say uh, I like, I like the company in general. I wouldn't necessarily be in a huge hurry to buy it today because it has been trending slightly lower for a while. I think if you were going to initiate a position here, you could average in over a few months. There's no sense of urgency, but I think it's a fantastic company and I would be a buyer here. Okay. Um, Adam, what do you think about uh, public storage? Uh, I have a little bit different take. Um, I guess longer term, I, I would look at this more as a shorter term trade than a, than a longer term investment. I say that because I can't in good faith say that it's a, a great longer term investment. It scores a, a 30 out of 100 on my overall six factor green zone ranking model. Um, part of the reason it's getting dinged uh, to be such a low score is that its momentum is rather low. Um, so longer term, it's been in a downtrend uh, for like the past five or so years, kind of down, trending down and then kind of carving out a bottom. More recently, that, that momentum started to tick up, but I look at longer term momentum as well. So the trend in momentum isn't, isn't wonderful. Um, the size, it, it's, a, it's a still a larger company at $37 billion, so you're not going to get a small cap pop there. Um, its valuation is much better than these other two we've talked about, but it's still at 30, uh, at a P of about 30. It's, it's a bit overvalued. Um, it does score highly on quality. 
So if you look at um, public storage's uh, return on assets at 10%, return on equity 24%, invested capital at 21%, um, its gross margin is 71 and its uh, net profit margin is 42%. So it's actually a very high margin business, um, at least for public storage. But the reason I say that I think it's a better trade than a longer term investment is that it has been in this downtrend since 2016. It's kind of carved out a bottom. It made a lower low in, in March. But since then, it has recovered some. Um, it's trading above its 200-day moving average. It's in a positive trend, according to my Cycle 9 um, six-month trend uh, measure. And so I look at it as a, as a high uh, reward to risk trade in the sense that right now you can buy shares of PSA for around $210. It's about $212, but I think you can probably get it on a dip to $210. Um, what I would do is I'd put a stop loss at $200, which is just below the 200-day move in average. So you're talking about a $10 per share stop loss. So if you get stopped out, you're going to lose $10 per share. Uh, but if this uptrend, uh, this kind of bullish breakout and uptrend continues, uh, you're looking to make about $60 if it rises back up to the 2019 high of about 270, 265, 270. So that's basically a ratio of, of 60, 6 to 1. So you have potential profits of $6 for every uh, potential loss of $1. So that's an excellent ratio. I mean, if you can make that trade any day, um, you, you should. And so that's why I think that just based on the chart pattern alone and the fact that PSA uh, it is a good operating business, it's just kind of been out of favor for a while. But um, if we are kind of in a recession now, if um, you know there's been a moratorium on evictions, but if that changes uh, in the near future, I certainly see that as a potential catalyst for, for PSA to kind of get a bid. So I would look at this as a kind of a shorter term trade if you can buy in at 210 and put a stop at 200 and uh, see if we can get some upward momentum over the next few months. Okay. Um, Charles, you mentioned about how it's kind of a recession proof stock and I'm not disagreeing with you, but I'm going to take a, I'm going to tell a little bit of a different story. Um, you know, whenever you are maybe have to move out or consolidate or whatever, a lot of times, I think when people look at consolidation, they look at consolidation of expenses. And if you if one of your expenses is a storage facility, uh, then maybe one of those things you look at is getting rid of the storage facility because that's a recurring monthly rate. If that means you're getting rid of stuff, you're getting rid of stuff. Uh, I'm not saying that's the, that's the norm. I'm not saying that's that's an everyday thing. I'm just saying that I think that's a different story to tell. In, now, that, that's how I think. Story. Now, personally, I would rather burn my belongings than pay to store them somewhere. I mean, and I'm it, the same way. I mean, I'm, I'm an anti-pack rat. I mean, I'm happy to live in a completely sterile room with like no pictures Absolutely. on the wall and sit on the floor. I, I, I'm, and my wife's the same way. Like we're basically minimalist, but uh, uh, most people aren't like that. Uh, right. America is a land of hoarders, and uh, <laughs> when you out when you out hoard your house, you you have to expand new frontiers for your hoarding. Right. I, again, I just, I, you know, I, I'm, I'm a pass on this as well. I, the biggest concern I have is, is how it's traded sideways. Uh, it really, it, you know, it's, it, it's broken up a little bit. I, I see it's, it's ticking up a little bit, but I'm just not too sure um, how long its uptrend will last. Uh, obviously, you want it to last a long time if you're going to invest in it. I think maybe short term, it's a possibility because like Adam said, a six to one ratio with gaining $6 to every $1 you lose it with a stop loss of $200. I think that's, that's a great idea. Uh, I would just be very hesitant about, about public storage at this point. So uh, those are three stocks uh, talking about the, the real estate sector. I want to thank uh, Money Markets Chief Investment Strategist Adam O'Dell and contributor Charles Sizemore uh, for joining me as they do each and every uh, end of the week. Uh, we do have the Labor Day holiday coming up on Monday. That The markets are closed, uh, so take a day off. Uh, spend some time with your family. 
uh, Charles. We have to congratulate as he has an addition to his family uh, that just came this week, uh, last week. So congratulations to him uh, on, on that. On uh, I won't go into too many details, but it's, uh, it's great news and congratulations to you. And I uh, certainly hope both of you guys get time to spend time with your families. I know it's been very, very busy over the last couple of weeks. Uh, and, and I hope everyone out there enjoys the Labor Day, uh, the Labor Day holiday, if you're uh, lucky enough to, uh, to be able to have that extra day off. Uh, again, you can listen to the Bull and Lair podcast on any podcast syndicator out there just about. We're in the process of uh, getting added uh, to Amazon as well. So that's, uh, that'll be a nice change, a uh, nice addition for us. Plus, you can watch the uh, Bull and the Bear podcast on YouTube. Uh, wherever you're listening, however you're listening, make sure you're following us. Make sure you get notified. Uh, every time we do put out a new podcast because we do put out podcasts and videos about a day or so before they actually come out uh, on moneyandmarkets.com. And that said, don't forget to check Money and Markets each and every day for uh, safe and profitable advice and information, uh, investment information for you. So uh, for Adam O'Dell and Charles Sizemore, I'm Matt Clark. Uh, I certainly hope everyone has a great weekend, enjoys the Labor Day, and we will talk again uh, next week. Until then, safe trading, everybody. You've been listening to The Bull and the Bear, a Money and Markets podcast. Tune in each week to hear insights on how to make investing safe and profitable for you.